Welcome back, everybody. Here we are again, Katie. How are Here you? Here we are. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. This is really strange because we recorded an interview with Ross Coulthard, like, however, not that many hours ago, and it feels like a bit strange to be back all of a sudden. But I'm really glad that we're here live as well. Um, got a great yeah, guest. We have got a great guest. Uh, mm -hmm. Good to see so many people as well in the live chat. Thank you so much for being here. As always, please keep the chat cool, calm and collected. I really appreciate that. You guys are normally very good at that, so thank you. Also, if you do have any questions throughout the interview, please pop them in capital letters. That gives me a better chance of seeing them. And I will try to, my best to ask them, but it depends on the relevancy and the way the conversation is flowing and all that good stuff. So thank you, guys. And let's get to it, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, yeah, please welcome a good friend, someone that I really look up to, and I can't wait for this conversation, guys. Put your hands together for Sean Cahill. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well, Vin. How are you doing? Hi, Katie. I'm doing great. Hey. Thank Happy you so much for doing here. this. Yeah. Happy to be here. All right. So, Sean, yeah, you know, when I spoke to you about uh, setting up this interview, um, I wanted to come at it this time from a slightly different perspective and sort of talk a bit more about the consciousness and, and the kind of meditation aspect and its relationship to the phenomena. So I guess my first question is, what does consciousness mean to you? And especially when it does relate to the phenomena? I, um, I'm actually happy to say that I take it from a kind of selfish viewpoint because I've lived this whole life as Sean. Um, I've had very few moments of not being Sean. So for me, consciousness is my Seanness. Um, and so for me, when I eventually found, um, you know, meditation studies and Buddhism and, and things that, that branch out from the, the ancient esoteric practices, the self was something I was familiar with because my Seanness was, was something that I had been, I felt like that I had been working with and fighting my whole life, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that that's the simplest way that I can sum up consciousness um, without going right to, you know, the, the like Buddhist teachings and things like that. Yeah, no, I makes sense. And I think that a lot of people have that experience, especially when they're, um, beginning this journey, right? Mm -hmm. They're looking into meditation for the first time, self-consciousness for the first time. And I'm really curious to hear how that started for you, right? Everyone kind of has a different entry point. So what was yours? You know, I was interested in, um, to be honest, again, this is, I'm, this is not really flattering. Um, I was interested in superpowers okay. when I was young. I, I wanted all the superpowers. Um, I liked the idea that we were we were more than this, and I wanted to to be that. Um, but to, it really wasn't until I had a heart attack back in 2012, and when they were placing the stent in my heart, I had an OBE, um, right. and that really changed my perspective on things. I had gone up to the ceiling of this two-story room where they did this the stent procedure, and I had watched the medical team place their feet on the on the armrest and uh, when my vein collapsed and remove the catheter and then go to reinsert in the femoral artery and they put their foot up on the armrest because they needed to brace themselves for steady pressure. Um, yeah, it's, it gives me the heebie-jeebies still. <laughs> and, oh, was that I, obvious? <laughs> I watched all that from the from the ceiling looking down and um, I wasn't freaking out. I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, there I am, or I'm out of my body. It was just very calm and casual, just kind of taking it in. But then when the procedure was over and they woke me up, um, I mentioned to them that I had gone up there and watched them extract the catheter. And they were quite surprised that I was able to describe it with such accuracy because I had been un definitely unconscious. Right. Um, and so that took a while to really sink in. I would think about it now and again, think about it. And I didn't know what to do with the info until I started having this recurring lucid dream um, of my family and I on the highway uh, and deciding to, to go across the Coronado Bridge. And as we got on the, um, the on-ramp, there was a problem with the truck in front of us. We ended up in a car accident and ended up going over the side of the bridge. Mm 
And each time it felt it was, this is where the dream was always the same and where I woke up. The car's going over the bridge. It's terrifying. But then suddenly I'm in like a yellow, um, like a cherry picker, like the guys work on the top of trees and power lines with. Mm-hmm. And it just tipped forward. And I was the only one there. The, the family wasn't there. It tipped forward and I was falling down towards what I assumed was the bay. Mm-hmm. But it was like a water tornado or a water spout. And I fell in the top of it and I fell and I kept falling. And in this dream, I finally realized, you know, I'm lucid and I'm terrified. Right. But I finally realized, okay, hold on. I should have hit the water by now. What's going on? And that and that's where something else happens. And so that I never quite remembered. So hmm. these things, these things were pretty powerful the OBE and the lucid dream specifically um, because I was quite lucid I mean it got to the point where I was just kind of falling down the, <laughs> the thing you know bored wondering if, if it will be different this time um, and I couldn't figure out how to break out or anything like that back then so those that coupled with the next step was tinnitus mm. now if, if not for the tinnitus I might just to put up might have just put up with the weirdness. But the tinnitus was making me a jerk, even more of a natural jerk than I already was back then. Um, <laughs> and I was a pretty organic jerk, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I had really hair triggers. Um, but the to remedy the, the tinnitus, I started using binaural beats. And I didn't really know what they were for. I didn't know anything about Monroe or anything like that. And I remember that the first night that I really, that I felt what I would later understand is, I guess what people refer to as hemi-sync or other things like that. Um, I had decided to put some brown noise. I use a, an app that does not pay me to endorse them called White Noise. Um, <laughs> and I, I put a, uh, some pink noise in the background this time specifically and, act- and, a, and a gamma um, frequency and I didn't know anything about frequencies either so that's actually a pretty high one and and a good one to start with Mm -hmm. but I started humming with it and it was strange the only way to describe it's kind of non-visual non-verbal but I but I felt like a bell went off in one ear one went on off up here and one went off here and you could just feel them connect and when that resonance first happens it's pretty profound and at that exact same moment, like half a tree across from us, we were at Balboa Park <laughs> at a Corgi meetup. We had brought our dog <laughs> up, up to Balboa Park and um, like this giant tree, excuse me, just like cracked in half and fell onto the street. Didn't injure anyone, like missed a jogger, missed a car that had just gone by. But at that moment that I felt all of that, that thing happened. Wow. And... So those are those were big benchmarks for me to finally go, okay, what what is this? What is all this? And how do you get there? And I wasn't in a position to do a lot of drugs. Um, <laughs> so I, so I had to meditate. Got it. I mean, that it it sounds a lot like my experience, to be honest. I I had an accidental accidental OBE while using binaural beats as well, um, was not an experienced meditator and it scared the hell out of me. Um, and you know, I think you touched on this before that at at some point it becomes a bit of a, what do I do with this? You know, and, uh, where do I go? Especially if you're not, I wasn't a particularly religious person before, you know, so trying to figure out that the path forward with that can be, can be challenging. You mentioned, though, in a previous interview that you eventually found ways to kind of cope with that um, over almost overstimulation and then kind of use it. Could you speak a little bit about that and maybe for folks in the audience who are dealing yeah. with that right now? It it wasn't easy at first. Um, it was really, really hard. And I thought I was losing my marbles. Um, I got a therapist and I walked right in and, and told her everything. Mm-hmm. And um and that helped, but it didn't help in the ways that I needed. I needed to find some way to, I needed a, a volume dial or, okay. or a tuning dial of some kind. And for me, I think it, it, it became finding out what was the difference between my fear and my intuition. Mm. 
and that took a long time. It took a long time. And, and that I think for each of us involves our own just personal psychology, just regular old run of the mill life that we've led, you know, and whatever makes our inherent fears, you know, we can talk about um, genetic, you know, markers for, or excuse me, fear, how, it, how it's passed down through genera- generational fear. Right. But it, it's, you, I had to get out of my own way. I had to really look at my own nonsense, my own BS. Where am, where am I the trigger for other people? Where am I the toxic person? How am I the rainy day? And I'm not perfect. Uh, my wife will be the first person to tell you, but um, I'm not quite the same guy that I was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Um, for me, it's been very cognitive. Um, nobody else did anything that made it better. Um, nobody told me anything that suddenly opened my eyes. I mean, a lot of the interactions I've had in the last few years have, have opened my eyes, but if nothing, if anything, the last five years have given me too much information to the point where I have no idea what the hell's really going on at the end of the day. Um, but I know this is crazy for people who have anxiety and I've had anxiety my whole life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, harsh anxiety, panic attacks, emergency room visits, um, losing my business at work on other people, um, unfortunately. Two things happen. I just decided I don't care what happens, and I'm not in charge of you anymore. And I'm not in charge of what happens to you. Um, I'm only in charge of me. Mm -hmm. And I started living in that space where it was like, I'm going to tick a lot of people off while I set these boundaries and while I figure out who I am. Right. And that's another one because boundaries bound, a lot of people build their boundaries with one hand and hold a fist up with the other, you know, they're just putting bricks down saying, don't you come near here. And it's like, no, the boundaries are so people can come, come right up to them. They can, they can punch on them, beat on them and scream at them. And you get to sit over here calmly and say, no, thank you. Instead mm-hmm. of kicking and screaming back. Um, that was a huge help, but the, I hate to say that the, I had to put faith in my own intuition. Um, that, that was the thing that really tipped me over the edge past the fear was trusting myself and saying that these, these little physical triggers or, or the little physical markers that I have are my body talking to me about something that it can't put into words. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that has to put it into words for my body. And that, kind of brings us to another point is I don't like this isn't me I do feel like I reside not quite in this body but I reside here with this body we have a I feel like the body and I have a have a union Mm -hmm. I can take really good care of it and it'll last for a really long time I can take really bad care of it and it'll still really last for a really long time but it's going to let me know the whole time that it doesn't want to do it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a good way to put it. (laughs) And it it recently told me I've had enough. And I thought we already had this conversation. So (laughs) yeah, I think it comes down to, are you, is where do you fall? Are you a materialist? Or do you fall more into onto the spirit side? Like the, I hate to say the polarity gets more, narrow as time goes by in my life and, I, and i'm able just to see the choices folks have made i'm trying not to judge them for them anymore because mm-hmm. um, i i've really in the last few years i've really felt like the universe has just taken me back to school and i've, I've been humbled mm-hmm. um but what do you do when you feel that way you know i mean where do you where do you go to build i mean you know do you okay. So right now I'm just keeping the house clean, looking for a job, you know, doing my thing, being good to my wife and kids, but there's nothing spectacular going on. That's, that's the, I have to say that balance has taken a little bit of the adventure out of life. Cause I'm like, okay, now I'm here for the ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, now, I, yeah. yeah. So many of those points resonated with me about mm-hmm. how different I was 10 years ago and how much I'm still learning and working on building myself as a person and like you said then taking it back to basics in a way family the things that really matter and yeah it's, it's amazing how many things that, that really hit home then so i appreciate that um so my next question as this meditation journey has developed and you've probably gone deeper and, and done 
different types of meditation maybe have you ever felt like you've had an experience where there was some alternative intelligence involved with you during a meditation yes um and it's it still happens on occasion in the same way and i always find it fascinating that um i think a lot of people that meditate understand a place that we might call the void um a, a a dark, warm, safe place where your whole um, memory kind of comes and goes there. there. You can spend time very lucid, very conscious there, there but as, mm-hmm. as you're meditating, sometimes that, that drifts. But in the early times that I would find myself there, I would get this sense of, a, of faces, very large faces kind of swooping into that place and going, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of you know wrinkle for, uh, the idea that they were furrowing their brow just getting a good look and then kind of going oh okay and then and then going back out and it was the strangest thing it was right after hypnagogia would um if if you've if you've learned to rem- body asleep mind awake if you've learned how to, to do that yoga nidra or the monroe technique or other techniques um hypnagogia is a stage of during falling asleep where there's a lot of um, it, pardon me, it looks like fog is setting in. A gray fog is drifting through a blackness, and sometimes it, it forms into shapes and other things. For me, it's mostly just a fog, and it either resolves in unconsciousness or lucidity, lucidity afterward. And there's there's other things. There's a vibrational sensation and some, some other movement that it, you might sense. But um, right after that hypnagogia, for a long time, I would be back in what's felt like I moved from that void place over to a side instance, just like I had been channeled over into a little waiting room of some point or of some kind and that something would come and, um, and regard me there and look at me and kind of not handle me, but just check me out. And as time went by, I, that changed the, the experience changed and then that stopped every once in a while that still happens usually just when i'm daydreaming um when i was in the hospital recently for my heart um i think i just said that on air okay i was in the hospital recently i had a second heart attack i wasn't gonna um i wasn't gonna talk about that today but i'm not gonna act all weird about it um but i had for about a week that I was there because I picked up a staph infection when I was in the hospital as well. Every time I closed my eyes, it was just constant visuals of, of, of that, of, of, of people. Yeah. It seemed of people stopping and being like, why are you looking at me? Like stopping as if I were like a, a, a strange person sitting on the ground on the street and you walked by and you're like reading my <laughs> sign or something. That's what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Like they were, I was, interrupting them for the life of me i don't know what it was but it it, it stopped when i left the hospital um, yeah yeah really wow. weird. well and we're, we're so happy that you're doing well now and everything's yeah. all right everything's oh, great. great um yeah it was a it was a it was a blip basically i had a stent that failed they replaced the stent but i was in for a longer period of time because of the staph infection but everything worked out Gotcha. Good. Good. Well, we're so glad to hear that. And, and something you said actually triggered a memory in me. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine had kind of challenged me to try the the hemisync tapes. And one of the things I experienced, I only did them a few times, because frankly, it was too intense for me. Um, and one of the things I experienced that you kind of touched on was that feeling of being kind of channeled to another place at one point. Mm-hmm. And for me, at one point, it was I heard a tone. And I don't mm-hmm. even know if the tone was in the in the tape or if it was something, you know, separate. And it kind of I felt like pulled to another mm-hmm. location. And once I got there, the um, the experience was different. Time wasn't linear. It was mm-hmm. choppy. It was. Um, and, and like you said, someone came to regard you similar thing. And I had never had an experience like that. And it completely shifted my view of non-human intelligence of what's possible um, when it comes to meditation and something that we know now when when you're speaking about kind of the materialist versus uh, other paradigms is that meditation can literally rewire your brain right mm-hmm. you know nothing but our our intentional thought can influence matter so you would think that the materialist paradigm there would already evaporate um, but I'm really interested given sort of the anecdotal, 
uh, evidence we have that the phenomenon can either manipulate matter or our perception of matter. If you believe that, you know, in order to move the UAP conversation forward, we really need to dive deeper into some of this meditation research. I would completely agree with that. Um, I think there are two sides to the UAP coin that we have to, that we all have to kind of acknowledge. And that is, there is, there is what we call a nuts and bolts side. Mm -hmm. there, there is a technological expression of aspects of these things we're talking about. Right. Um, but one is not always the other, uh, you know, and I think what, where we need to get to is that for the folks that haven't had an experience in their life, a, a personal actual experience, not just taking something on faith because of a book or, or another person's anecdote, mm -hmm. but once you've had that taste that, Hey, I'm not here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I reside somewhere else, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'm having this experience here now as me. It, and then you start thinking about, okay, what happens when I go to sleep at night? Where am I? <laughs> am I still me when I'm asleep? Is there a relevancy to that me? And how come the weird stuff really happens when I'm, mostly happens when I'm asleep? Mm -hmm. um, and so that alone is just, it, it's not conclusive. It doesn't say where we are, what's going on. It just says that something's happening. Once we accept that, then I think it's pretty simple to say, well, okay, well, if I'm here and I'm physical and I'm natural and I'm made of matter and elements and fall under these laws, well, then so does everything else that's here. So if something wants to come here from somewhere else, it's going to be made of stuff from here. You know, you know, I, like right. I, I feel like we're getting so simple. It sounds it starts sounding complicated, but, um, <laughs> but I like, there is another place. Mm -hmm. So it, I, the place I am has technology and matter. So I assume there's some kind of analog for that in the other, in another place. Right. So once, once you marry those two concepts, I don't think it's, it's that mind boggling that there is something here that might not be exactly what it presents as. Right. Um, I'm, I'm personally ready to find out we are the only indigenous life in this universe um, because I can't see any anywhere. And the, the mental gymnastics for the galactic war that's going on and the, <laughs> I don't know, you know, all the things that people bring up of why, you know, everybody's hiding and I'm like, well, we're not, we're not hiding we're we're radiating like crazy mm -hmm. and everybody says well if you do if we keep doing that they're going to come get us and i don't see <laughs> them but if you talk to somebody else they're like oh they're here they already got us you know and <laughs> i don't mean to be facetious but as as a like I, I was a trained professional crime scene investigator and forensic investigator and i was a problem solver and so coming to this coming to ufology with that acumen, not as a believer. I'm also a right. believer because I'm going through it, but I don't believe what I'm going through. Right. And I, I don't take it at face value for what I'm seeing and experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not to the bottom of the story yet. Um, so once we marry those two things, I don't think any of it, I think all of it makes sense. Of course, the government's been studying it. Of course, they're reticent to talk about it. It's really weird. Yeah. You know, and when you get down to like, if one person can bend a spoon, what can 50 do? What can 100 mm -hmm. do? What can a country, a planet do? And yeah. that weirds a lot of people out. That, that's it for them. The, I've, the, the spoon thing has been one way to find out whether you're still my friend or not, <laughs> is, is, is to bring the spoon out and talk about it. Because some people just, nope, nope, all done, you know. <laughs> So I don't like to talk about it, but about 10 years ago, I got bored one night and I watched a YouTube video and I snapped a spoon in half and I kept it for about 10 years. And I mean, it was just no effort. It was just like it was butter, you know, and <coughs> I've never told anyone because you're right. It's like that litmus test of are you able to believe that things are weirder yeah. than we give them credit for, you know? Yeah. But and what are you going to do once you believe it? That's the thing. For me, it was bury it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. 
See, now I'm going to go, every time I'm holding a spoon now, I'm just going to look around and be like, <laughs> just have a little go. And like, For the record, I haven't been able to do it since. So, Until I went to the Monroe Institute, I used to carry a very heavy gauge spoon around in my shaving kit. And I just, every once in a while, I'd just be somewhere and I'd grab it and I'd just unconsciously hold it, walk around with it and then look at it and be like, oh, that's still a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, were you ever able to bend it? Have you gotten there yet? So not until I, I so at, um, I guess uh, we'll, we'll talk about Monroe, the Monroe Institute. Yeah, um, yeah. that was my last next year, question. Last year in May, I got invited um, via, Lou gave me a call, hooked me up with a couple of folks. Um, he got invited to go, couldn't go. I don't think the person that organized it is um, advertising himself at the moment, but a, a, a doctor from um oh geez purdue shucks i can't remember his college now but i guess that's fine if i'm not going to say who he was but he he put it together he he got a bunch of us um on the phone and zooming and stuff um colonel john alexander chris bledsoe um geez i should have pulled the list out um randall nickerson um folks we'd recognize from twitter um sean eisborn hargan Mm-hmm. um exo academian um joe mcmonagle came down made an appearance oh, and wow. talked to us um boy somebody's gonna kill me for not mentioning them for sure <laughs> <laughs> um no but we had a lot of folks there and almost across the board we were experiencers there were a few people who had never seen it never seen anything had anything weird anything like that but they were people that were um, some people that were placed high in government in um, some countries we're friendly with uh, that wanted to get a good look at at what this was all about and what what these what folks like us were were going through and we were a very wide ranging group of of, of experiencers. We had um, a famous television medium, um, a few other people. We had some. Um, some folks that are expert at collecting um, technical data with cameras and radar, you know, uh, science related folks. Um, sorry, we, we started out talking about this because we're talking about bending the spoon. So another person that was there. Um, oh, God, I'm horrible with names. What's Sean's last? <laughs> oh, Sean, what's your last name? I'll, I'll, he's a telekinesis. He did telekinesis for a long time on the um, he was well known for that on on youtube he does so much more his uh, his website is mind possible and i'll remember his last name in a minute but um but sean and a couple of other folks were there held a class on telekinesis uh spoon bending um we intentionally the the 20 or so of us tried to move a you know a, a, a soccer ball together no results um Sean McNamara. Sean McNamara. Yeah, Sean McNamara is a fantastic uh, guy. He just recently wrote a really good book on cultivating um, uh, psilocybin. Uh, he lives mm. in Colorado where it's legal. Right. So it's uh, a fantastic book. Um, but that's a whole nother show and a whole nother topic. Um, <laughs> so we had they, they taught us two techniques for spoon mm-hmm. bending in general. For One was subtle and one was more energetic. And in between the two... The, the first technique that we did, I had zero results and I could already tell, um, I was getting frustrated. I was feeling, I was feeling feelings of envy. Um, I could tell that I wanted to feel special. Those are things I, I look out for those things and I'm like, okay, you, well, you can't play if you're going to be that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was, I was disenchanted when, but then she brought out some pendulums and I pendulums were something that I had studied along with tarot and other things early on as, as, um, subconscious access modalities wanting mm-hmm. to understand them and i'd had success and understood how a pendulum worked and was able to tell my nonsense from the intuitive right side of it so she said um ask we had we all had a fork and a spoon she said ask the fork if it'll bend for you maybe just this once and um the fork said nope and uh with the pendulum and so i i Again, downtrodden and knowing the worst part is sitting there knowing I'm doing it wrong because I'm letting my emotions in. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm I know I'm gonna fail because I'm disappointed. You know, that kind of thing. I'm letting it get to me. And I 
I asked the spoon, will you just this once, you know? And I literally, <laughs> like, my, my interior attitude was literally, like, really like that. I was like, would you just maybe, would you? <laughs> and the spoon said, sure, just this once. I mean, that was the message I got back. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay. All right. So we got it. We went about it. And she was saying, you know, build up your intent. And I decided, um, in fact, I should grab the spoon. Is that okay yeah. to get up? We'll yeah, 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 please. please. All right. Oh. Special guest appearance from the spoon. Man, I'm kicking myself that I didn't keep mine. I threw it away like a year ago. I was like, this is stupid. Why am I holding on to this? I'm going to go and get one tonight and just be like, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. So I wasn't hey, happy hey. just bending it in half because I knew I could, I knew I was strong enough to do it. And I had already, I had snapped off the tine of one of the, on the fork. And mm -hmm. I didn't believe that. Like you said, you snapped yours. I was like, I just broke yeah. it. I'm just way stronger than I think. <laughs> and, um, See, I'm weak. So that wasn't a problem. <laughs> so I, I, I pinched the bowl of the spoon and I pinched the end. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to, I want to twist it. Mm -hmm. And if it really does, and we, we had just watched a, a video that Yuri Geller had sent specifically to us. He was, he was going to zoom with us. Um, but he, he, something happened where he had a scheduling difficulty. So he just had somebody turn his camera around and filmed a video, mm -hmm. but he's just, I mean, he's in a shop with thousands and thousands of bent spoons. And I mean, unless, unless you really <laughs> think he's surrounded by hundreds of pounds of gallium or whatever, you know, he's, he's got something going on. So, I, I was like, I have to do this in a subtle way. It has to go molten like it looks like it goes for him, and or I'm never going to believe it. So sum it up, get all the intent, and it, we called it a gorilla technique. You're going to jump up in the air, and when you're in the air, you're you're going to shout, you're going to you're going to tell it, you're going to bend, you're going to you know you are telling it, you are a gorilla and you are powerful, and you're going to use all of your monkey mind to do it. <laughs> and I landed in this. I don't know what to say about that. It's this is not a this is a high quality piece of cutlery, and it did it bent it 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 did something I haven't been able to do again, no matter how hard I try. Yeah, it doesn't tell me that I'm psychic or have no. telekinesis or any of that. It tells me that human intent has influence over matter. That's all it tells me, mm. and I I can accept that. Not to take anything away from you being able to do that, but being in a place where other people were building their own intent, mm. could in some way you have gathered extra energy from other people? Perhaps. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that's possible. It's frightening if you look at it from a certain way. And mm. yeah. um, then again, it makes a lot of sense when you think about how often we all gather in a place surrounding an individual in front of a microphone or on a stage. Right, and they're the same people over and over again. So that's a, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. like I said, I wasn't taking anything away from you. I'm, I'm truly no, 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 no. It. I was <laughs> just thinking about you know this being putting myself in that place, and I, I automatically imagined other people in almost in a line doing something yeah. similar with this buildup of something around us all. I don't know. Yeah, no, I like a lot of folks who have, who have experienced this stuff. My well, there's two ways to go. A lot of folks dive in, believe everything, and then you end up, like we've all seen that video of the guy running down the beach at the lady, you know, and they're trying to put up their chi walls. And I mean, yeah, we're, we can't help but laugh. Yeah. I mean, I believe in chi or, or prana, you know, energy, but I don't think I can stop a linebacker. <laughs> but, you know, not at all. I can't, I can't stop. <laughs> but again, what if, what if we knew what we were doing? You know, we're, we're, yeah. we're wishing right now, but I've sat around a lot and I still can't figure out what's the first thing I should do now that I know this other than yeah. try to share the story pragmatically, get other people to, you know, chill out. Don't go too woo. You know, I, you get inspired, you get inspired. We're all in different parts on our journey. And sometimes inspiration takes us on wild goose chases and sometimes it leads to brilliance, mm -hmm. but I, there's something to this that matters. And the fact that none of our institutions teach it, none mm -hmm. of our institutions teach any kind of like the word intuition is still something that that's not a real, that's not real. You know, we've all got it, but don't trust it. Oh, you trust yours. Well, I don't trust mine. Mm -hmm. 
nah, I think we've all we've all had enough synchronicities. Mo a lot of us have. The people who are having this conversation have had enough synchronicities right. and then went and did a little bit of research and have have had enough conversations to say there's there's enough going on here we should we should organize and we should apply science and pragmatism to this. You know, there of course we need an emotional side, but we need it's like we're we're back to that point where we need to remarry physics and philosophy and science and religion mm -hmm. back into one thing, which is the study of reality again, mm -hmm. you know, not, not just into these balkanized groups of no, my, my God's better than yours. And my mm -hmm. theory's better than yours. And my lack of evidence is way better than your lack of evidence. <laughs> so. Well, you, I mean, that's a perfect segue into what I was going to ask you about is I, I just finished reading unbelievable. It's a book that uh, kind of covers the, the history of the Duke's parapsychology program that started up, I believe, in the 50s. And, you know, one of the things I was struck by in it was how ubiquitous this type of research was early on, right? Yeah. You know, you had Duke doing it, you had Harvard doing it, you had uh, the University of Virginia uh, getting their, uh, their hands into the matter. And that's obviously taken a bit of a step back in recent years. And, you know, speaking of, you know, psychic telekinesis, uh, ESP, whatever you want to call it, um, there is a pretty hefty body of academic evidence um, supporting it. Now you can argue about the methods and, and, and conclusions, um, but what's really interesting is it was actually done in a very methodical statistical mm -hmm. way. There were even, uh, actually the anthropologist Margaret Mead was a big proponent of this research and pointing out how um, sound the methodology was. And so my question is, you know, how do you think we address the fact of what you said that our institutions aren't teaching this? How do we go back and, and, and rebuild this body of knowledge in a way that it doesn't get shelved for another 20 years? How do you have a revolution in society without the revolution? How do you have a, um, how do you have a, a large body of people who are otherwise okay with the status quo and frightened into being relatively docile mm -hmm. to give up everything they have. Um, I'm not a, I don't, I don't like labels, you know? Um, so I'll throw out a few that I don't feel I'm not a prepper. Um, I'm not a constitutionalist. I'm not a sovereign person kind of guy, mm -hmm. but I'm aware of facts. I know that our, our, um, our educational system was developed by those in power who wanted good workers. I understand that. That's, and I think if, if you had been anyone looking at the world at that time, you might've even said, you know what, that's a good thing for us right now. That's what we need. We're in, we're in this, well, I don't know if you know you're in the industrial revolution when it's happening, but you know, they were in the middle of it and they were like, yeah, that's what we need. We need progress. Progress was the word. Right. Um, but we've somehow gotten rid of that word progress you know, we, we took that that awesome jump in materialism, uh, mm -hmm. successful materialism, and we did great things with it, and we did some horrible things with it. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't, we chose not to highlight the other aspects of us. Um, I can't help but see a little bit of a, of a purposefulness in that. Um, the 60s and 70s, even though the, the the free love movement and the hippies obviously didn't win and apparently didn't learn anything since now they're <laughs> they're still voting uh, like their parents did. Um, but they we didn't fix anything just by having everybody say how it should be, you know, um, and nothing. I won't I would shouldn't say nothing changed. There's people who have built lives on on aspects of of social change that did occur and, and i don't i don't want to they they dedicated people lost their lives for those i don't want to say nothing changed a lot of things changed but we're not at a place yet where a human being any human being on this earth on this planet has the same rights as any other given human being or has the same expectation of safety or mm -hmm. or, or respect or anything like that why not well I think honestly, and this will turn so many people off, but we forgot, we forgot to love each other. We forgot yeah. to take care of our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And 
we just kept looking for ways to progress and succeed, but we didn't bring our heart. We didn't bring our minds along with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sad because you can look at, you can see it and you can see the amount of people that don't know what's going on that only take um, their worldview from, from their electronics, essentially from their television, their phone, their computer. Um, and even those that will go a little bit further and pick up a book here and there, and I don't mean to be condescending like that and say it that way, but yeah. not a lot of people are reading anymore or, or, or going beyond what's given to them. Mm-hmm. Even at that point, you're still not getting the whole story. But we lose most folks that at that point because they get angry. Their, their, their rage gets there and they go, oh my God, we've really been manipulated and, right. and stepped on and held back. And nobody wants to listen to the person yelling in the elevator. <laughs> so they don't get heard. Yeah. And I think we all kind of know that. So it's like, who, who will be the person to stand up to finally strike that chord with all of us? What will be the event that has us say no more? Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I thought we've had 20 of those just in the last <laughs> five years. <laughs> um, you and me both. <laughs> looking back at the way the George Floyd event unfolded. Yeah. I'm so scarred over at this point. Um, you know, my, my wife's a, my wife is a speech therapist. She works in the schools and we constantly talk about how there have now at this point, the idea that there have been more shootings in days in the year. Yeah. That's gotta be the last straw. Please. Could it be the last straw? You know, it, children should have been the last straw, but can can just the blatant idiocy of these numbers be the last straw? Yeah. And the fact that the, this just isn't happening anywhere else. It's not. No. And, and the idea that we can't, as a as what we what I would call an American family, still come to the table and and go, can we do it for the kids? You know, you know, like like, uh, and so. Uh, Anyway, that's politics. That's not the the consciousness stuff we want to talk about. But that's that's I, another day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but I, I I feel you, buddy. I really do. It can be tough. And Vinny, I, I I'm only I only can imagine what it looks like as an outsider looking in. Yeah, it's it's hard to comprehend how these things keep happening and nothing is getting done because. You get so many people, and I won't go on about it, but you get, we, all we see is people defending the Constitution and the right to bear arms and things like that. That's what's coming across the pond a lot more than just stop, just stop, find another way, you know? So anyway, yeah, yeah. that is another yeah. conversation for another time. But I appreciate it being brought up and, yeah. and that. So let's shift the conversation slightly, Sean, because something we heard about a few months ago that was flying around Twitter and other places was a, a supposed meeting you had with one Lady Gaga. And I just wondered if you could expand <laughs> on that and uh, give us the story. Are you guys best I, friends now? No. <laughs> I, I, I did avoid becoming her enemy. And, but I have to be honest with you, I, um, I did not get to meet her. Um, ah. Everybody else that was there did. But um, Lou and I had been um, been asked by Gary Nolan to, and uh, Lou, Chris Mellon, and I had been asked by Gary Nolan to speak at a, the, a Parker Foundation dinner oh, that he was okay. at with Sean Parker. Um, they have an oncology uh, foundation that is, is um, uh, cancer research. Um, very uh very illustrious list of people who donate to the who are part of the parker foundation and who donate to it um the people that i was sitting with that evening were sean parker and his wife um lou jacques valet um steve jobs son i can't remember his name anymore after a year and a half (laughs) um and let's see uh there were a couple of nobel prize winners at the table lady gaga was at the table behind us my wife was at the my wife was at the table behind me. She was at uh, her chair was right behind me, so I could reach back and grab her. But um, that <laughs> night, uh, Gary outed himself for the first time as having worked on these programs. And oh, wow. so the, the first people that he got to tell were some of his colleagues in oncology and in academia, as it, as it should be. And they got to hear from from the horse's mouth um, what what 
you know, that Gary had been working on these programs and that he had knowledge about them and understanding. And then we talked about our parts. Uh, when we were done, Lou said to me, uh, Hey, Sean, come here. And, uh, I made a beeline right for him. He was with this little Italian lady. And um, I, I didn't look at her. I just told him, no, man, I got, I got to, I got to go use the bathroom. And he's like, no, come here for a second. And I'm like, no. And I went, I went, I walked right at him and went around him and went about four or five doors down where there was nobody. And then I nervously threw up in the bushes on the side, on the side of a building. Because <laughs> the whole thing just had me nervous. This was not my scene. That was way more opulent than I was used to. Everybody's looking at me and asking me all these big questions. Like, and I got back, and he, he's like, "Hey, man, what was that?" And I go, "What do you? I didn't feel good. I had to go use the bathroom." He goes, "Well, you just blew off Lady Gaga," and I'm like, <laughs> "Like the one person I wanted to meet." <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, I never, I never. I didn't didn't meet her. I guess she was she was in still in um had the hair and the general look of the um geez, what movie was it like Versace or something like that? Some mm-hmm. fashion movie. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know who it was, but she had just done that. And so she still she didn't look like Gaga. Oh. Right. And um so I didn't recognize her, but yeah, that's that's that story. <laughs> wow. But she was into UAP apparently, right? Well, I don't, yeah, she had a lot of, apparently she wanted to ask me some questions about my experience. She'd been talking to Lou. She was very interested in it. Um, Hmm. Without giving, without talking about anyone's specific personal stories, I did talk to so many people that night, well-placed folks in both government, society, entertainment, et cetera, who were all experiencers. And I have not Hmm. been a fan of that word over the years, but I haven't come up with a better one to, we're having an experience. Right. So I haven't found a better one to replace it with. So I just have to give in. But um, weirdos, the amount of really well-educated, lucid, cogent Mm -hmm. people who have had daylight interaction with whatever the phenomenon is, is a little ridiculous when you get down to it, because it really makes you wonder about some of the stories we hear about government and uh, politicians who may or may not have had abduction experiences for lack of a better word yeah i mean it's it's remarkable when you actually start raising this uh, lifting the stigma apologies Mm -hmm. how many people do share share details about this i mean one of the things that that really struck me when you were speaking on a recent interview also was how often we kind of forget about them or Mm -hmm. just kind of set them aside maybe it's a psychological coping mechanism i don't know um but you mentioned that you'd had kind of a series of different experiences mm-hmm. from the metal basketballs that were i guess 20 feet or so to the green orbs to the black triangles and um and that you would experience at least on one occasion kind of just forgetting about it do you think that's something that is intentional with the phenomenon do you think it's just a product of our our psychology and how we cope with it what what are your thoughts on that i think um even though I'm not a fan of duality and want to get away from it, um, it's useful. There's two sides to this coin as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to think of it benevol- benevolently, um, I'm still frightened of the phenomenon. If, if and I, what I mean by that is, if I've had, if I go sit outside and I will myself to imagine what it would be like if a craft came down and somebody got off and came up and talked, I'm, I end up frightened, excited, mm-hmm. but frightened. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that you couldn't tranquilize me to the point where I could still have a conversation and be a useful person to communicate with. But I know I'm frightened. And, and I also know that if I had, if I did see all of that today, I'd be a blabbermouthed idiot when I was done if I remembered everything. Mm-hmm. I really would be. And I think, I think I would, given all we've been through in the last X amount of years and the fact that we're still here, I think I'd risk losing my family. Um, I've kept it together, even though it's been weird. And it's been pretty weird at times. This this was not an easy thing to bring home and have people go, you did that? Like right. somebody give that to you, but you did it? Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you've got Colonel John Alexander saying recently on a podcast that his team had utilized neuro-linguistic programming to place the idea that an abduction had occurred in a subject's mind. Right. So we know that manipulation 
is possible. And if the manipulation causes you to question your memory, now the origin of that memory is a question. Right. So a lot of people, again, with that duality, fall one of two ways. They fall over into the, well, the aliens are protecting me from something that might hurt me otherwise. And you've got the folks that are falling over on the other side that go, no, it's all, it's all brainwashing from the government. Mm-hmm. Um. And as with most of these things, somewhere in the middle is, is where the truth lies. It bothers me that, um, that we can, if you've, if you've taken an interest in psychology and and group dynamics and things like that, if you've ever seen the, um, there's a very famous video that's shown of people playing basketball there, there's a bunch of movement. It's very, very dynamic. And in the middle of it, a person in a gorilla suit walks right through. Yep. <laughs> you miss it. And most of us watch that the first time and we don't see the gorilla. Mm-hmm. Um, the blue dress meme a couple of years ago on TikTok where we were all perceiving. It is not blue. Yeah, it's right. gray. It's gray, right? Or pink. No, hey, it's white the... and gold. White and What's... gold. That's the one. But you yeah, can, you can sit there and change the color <laughs> while looking. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, you can. And yeah. That should tell us a lot, not enough to, to, to go, I got it. I know who I know who's doing it, but it should mm-hmm. tell us that we're, man, we're, we're easily manipulated. Yeah. Again, mm. why am I so easily manipulated and what, what can I do about it? Is there anything that I can do to counteract that? Yeah. I don't know. Um, it, it's worrisome. It, it's, I don't want what we call a bad state actor to have access to this kind of information. No. I don't want them to know that a series of lights and sounds and frequencies can completely change the, the mood and tone of a large group of human beings. And mm-hmm. perhaps, and that, and that, I mean, we've all been frightened at some point of the idea of subliminal influencing and things like that. But the fact, the fact is, is it's on our televisions. It's a part of our advertising, whether it's, what we have been taught to see as subliminal, the, you know, blatant, you know, backward masking like the the Beatles that everybody was freaked out about. They were just being artists. Mm-hmm. But nanosecond flashes of images can affect your your impulse buying, you know, and, and the way things are presented. Um, songs are more moving when vowels are used in the rising choruses and, and things like wow. that. They're, uh, most folks don't know there's only like six chord progressions on the radio for the last 25 years. You've been buying the same songs over and over again. <laughs> um, again, what do we do with that? Mm. Um, I turned my TV off. I, 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 I watch, I, I use it for pure entertainment at this point. Um, and I'm, I, I got rid of a lot of my apps and, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, some bro stuff like, you know, delete your Facebook, go to the gym. And <laughs> but at the same time, are you using your, your tech or is your tech using you? Mm. Are, are you living to just keep paying Apple and Samsung? And, and, you know, is that why you're living to buy their products and to wear them and to support them? I mean, yeah, I'll try. Uh, I, again, I have to stay away from the politics, but I can't help but say we have we have people that, that took a political candidate and made him a made him a an idol. You know, we never did that before. You know, we liked Ike, but not that much. You know? <laughs> it was like not love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so everything's become. I hate to again, we're a broken record. Everything's become a product. Now you can label me a hippie, and you don't have to listen to me anymore. But. <laughs> what happened? You know, there's, there's a, there's a dichotomy right now that has no future to it. That is, is just chaotic. I I don't know. It's a chaotic avalanche unless at some point, like, like Vin said, we just stop, we stop being jerks. Everybody, everybody just says, okay, what do you need from me? Hmm. Uh, I haven't seen our leaders say, what do you need from me in a long time? Yeah. So what do we do? You know, there's the three of us. We, I guess you and I've got San Diego County covered. Yeah. Then I'll, I'll take <laughs> care of go. Great Britain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
got to start somewhere though. You know, sure. you, you start yeah. starting your household, start in your neighborhood and that's, and that's true though. You do. And that your household is the best place you can start. If you can heal your home, if everybody went home and healed their home, we'd be, it'd be an amazing tomorrow, but so many people are too hurt. So many people are going to wait at home and say, no, come heal me. Right. So no, that's true. You know, I was very conscious, uh, no pun intended, about the way this interview would flow and the, the things we'd talk about as to not sort of delve too deeply into specific UFO news and current events. So I'll, I'll kind of flip the question and say, has there been anything that's you've been following or kept your interest in the past six months, for example, that has cropped up in the community or, in, you know, in the, yeah, in the community that you think is worth discussing mentioning or something that maybe piqued your interest well i think we all kind of went as we, in the navy we'd say high and right on the um on the balloon issue oh yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> i think it, folks are they take the product that they're given and they make a conclusion mm -hmm. a lot of times you track it back a little bit and what's what's the origin of that thing um why is it happening and while I've, while I've said I'm not a fan of people saying, why now are UAP, you know, a year ago, people would say, why now? And I'd say, man, because we've been working our butts off. I mean, Vin, Vin knows we worked together. You know, he, Vin was part of what we called Skyfort East until we we um, shut Skyfort down. But because we worked our butts off, we worked our butts off to get to say five words to some people on occasion, you know, and, and yeah. to get to say five more later on. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't just now. You might be seeing it now. But this the balloon thing is is pretty simple everything we've all been working on for the last x amount of years finally came to fruition with our defense apparatus norad etc removing certain filters and certain guidelines on what was reported how things were detected etc and what immediately happened there's a balloon here there's a balloon there there's a thing here there's something stopped mm -hmm. over here what's going on now the first things we got pictures of were a prosaic Chinese, or we, we excuse me, a prosaic balloon, a balloon, a large weather balloon type balloon with a with a with solar panels and some kind of collection apparatus underneath. And then after that, we got stories, anecdotal eyewitness testimony from plenty of plenty of good observers about shapes and and speed and location. And then somebody started muddying the water. Somebody's <laughs> anonymous person said, we think it's Chinese tech with anti-gravity. It's like, hold on a second. Right. All we know right now is that we, we, we turn the lights on. And when the roaches scattered, the biggest, ro biggest, slowest roaches were the ones that we got pictures of and that we saw and that we stepped on. Mm -hmm. Everything with capability got the hell out of the way. And or <laughs> it's going to start showing up a lot more and getting reported a lot more. But... People keep defaulting to we want to know, we need to know, we have a right to know. All of those things are all true, but the apparatus is not set up for you to know. Not mm -hmm. anywhere near immediately. So anything that was of interest, you're not going to hear about it unless it has a political gain for the administration or the military to make it public. Right. So if, if there was an octagonal five observable UAP in the Yukon or somewhere else, I don't think we're going to get that info yet because we're still seeing portions of Congress and the Senate being educated for the very first time that this is even real. Yeah. So to drop a, a big bomb like that on everybody immediately, I, I think, I think people would, I, I don't know. We're going to fight the whole time until, until the day that we are walking amongst whatever this is, without fear and with complete with as much as complete understanding people are going to wonder every day until then if this is project blue beam is this governmental manipulation is mm -hmm. this china's version of project blue beam is it is it is it the global conglomerate of of carpet salesmen i don't know you know whoever you think <laughs> runs the world um is it is it them Mm -hmm. um, and we can't help that. And I think it's a good place for us to be suspicious of that because we are finally at a place where the technology exists between drones, holograms, NLP, phones in your pocket, 
flash mob mentality. It's a scary time for people to try to pull the wool over our eyes. Yeah. But that's aside to the fact that this phenomenon has been here present for all of our history. I'm, I'm completely confident in saying that. Um, so again, what are we dealing with here? Well, we're dealing with humanity, which we're stuck with. Yep. <laughs> every day of the week. We're and their machination, humanity's machinations and greed. Um, but we're also stuck with humanity's compassion, intelligence, ingenuity, love, and ability to transcend. We're still here. I don't know how many asteroids have hit us. I don't know how many tidal waves or crustal displacements or other things that everybody worries about have happened before. We've gone down to around 100, they think, at some point in South Africa, 100 human beings, as we call them. And now we know that we're, we're all hybrids. Every single one of us is a hybrid. Mm-hmm. There's no one here that's not a hybrid of, of, of different hominids. Whether it's Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, Denisovan, you know, etc. Mm-hmm. So, this the old world thinking that races exist in in a, in a fashion that's useful. Um, the the fact that you know the out of Africa theory, all of these other theories about how exactly things went that paint a Eurocentric picture of the world. It's we're safe to get rid of them now. We're, we're, we're safe to get rid of that Eurocentrism. We're safe to embrace the fact that India has a longer, richer history than, than, than Europe did. Right. We're, we're able to look into China and see, see just how technologically incredible they were when the rest of us were dealing with the Black Plague and how, how Islam basically saved science. <laughs> yeah, you know? and started universities and yeah. Absolutely. And how, how all of these religions that we, that we come and go with have been the aggressor, the oppressor, the victim, the savior at some point in, in, in the time that they've existed. At the, at the end of all of it, what does it say? We're all the same. We're, mm-hmm. just, we're just different painted containers full of the same water, you know, pointing at each other and going, you're different because I only see the blue. Well, I'm full of water just like you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, it gets preachy. But celebrating diversity, that's what celebrating diversity is. And it shouldn't frighten people to have more variety of different things that can interact with each other and communicate people and things that can communicate with each other. That, that tells us more about this environment. The more eyes we have on this, the closer we're going to get to actually understanding where we are. So... I think that's the key to everything. So whether if you're a materialist and you say, what is the, what is the nuts and bolts value of UAP and how can I use it to, to succeed and dominate from a nationalistic sense? Or whether you look at it and say, wow, man, where are they coming from? Who are they? What do they think? What do they know? Why do they want to talk to us? You know, you've got mm-hmm. both of those sides exist. Mm. And we have to stop pretending that, we, that the other folks don't exist and that they don't have a right to exist. It, it, that's the hard, been the hardest part for me is, is, and that sounds harsh, but the, the idea that the dissenting opinion that you believe is wrong, does it have a right to keep being heard? There was a time when I was certainly wrong and <laughs> I wanted the right to continue to be heard. So. Right. No, no, what I, a fantastic answer. That's yeah, great. no, absolutely. And I want to be really mindful of your time because we're very lucky to have you. Um, but I, but I do want to ask, so we spoke just a little bit about the recent past. What are you looking forward to in this year? Do you think, is there anything coming up that is going to tickle your fancy or that we should be looking out for? Um, I saw that smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of good things in a historical way, uh, for the record, are going to occur this summer. Um, that's the closest I can come with that one. Um, okay. A lot of people have been given the power and the safety to to use their voice for the first time. Um, now, I, th- I think people should look forward probably to seeing a lot more pictures of UAP. 
And the reason that I say that is because I have under some, I have some good information that there are some private groups that have correctly determined a way to capture UAP on, on photo. Um, wow. I'm not a hundred percent on board with it yet. I'm still waiting to get some equipment back and to verify it myself, but um, I have a feeling we're about between the deep, the new deep fake stuff being the new um, deep fake being very accessible and affordable. The, the, the audio fakes now mm. and the fact that it, we have a perfect storm here. I don't like it a bit with the filters <laughs> coming off at NORAD. We're going to see all kinds of crap scattered across the radar now mm -hmm. with the, the ability to deep fake being at the 13 year old wallet level. Um, we, it's going to be really hard. We're going to really need audio visual experts to be telling us the, the, the real from the not real now. Right. And it, it's kind of gotten to be too much all at once. Um, yeah. So I think we need, as time goes by, we need to be careful. Don't jump to conclusions. Mm -hmm. Remember that there are people out there for whatever reason, whether they're actively hiding something that they know about the phenomenon or whether it's just a cognitive block or maybe they're just jerks, you know, and work for a lousy newspaper. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, but the fact the fact is, is that not everybody out there is going to see the forest for the trees. They're right. going to cherry pick this thing. They're going to come at it emotionally. And we don't want any of that. We want, we want pragmatic, scientific, observational, non-biased information on something that we don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> That's great. So we could have done this in person today. So I'm just saying that next time, so we could have just been hanging out at the bar. I would love Vin, it. And Vinny could have been in the studio. I mean, we. Yeah. What, what do you lunch. got? What do you got going on later today? I mean, come on. <laughs> actually, it's, it's it's my daughter's birthday, so I actually. Oh, happy, oh, happy birthday! birthday. That's Vincent. exciting. Nice. Yeah, Nin big nineteen. Oh, oh that's good. amazing! Amazing. Well, have, have fun with the family, then. That's gonna be great. Yeah, yes, yes. Korean barbecue tonight. So. Oh. Sounds good. good. That sounds really good. Well, listen, Sean, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. every time we speak is is fantastic. I appreciate you, what you've done, and just being a friend means the world. So thank you so much. Same here. It's really a pleasure thank to get to talk about these things. You too, Katie. Um, we don't we don't get to share these things in a in a in an environment like this where it's fully safe, where everybody is listening and where we have something to give back and we don't feel judged. So I really appreciate the ability to get to share these experiences. Thanks, guys. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. And to everyone in the live chat, thank you so much for being here. I'm sorry if I didn't get around to all of your questions. Um, if you did donate, I saw a couple of uh, pop up. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, I really appreciate it. Katie, thank you for being such a wonderful co-host as well. It's been great. Good We've had a, a real day of it. Uh, two days for you, but time zones and all that. I'm so, going to yeah, go guys, sleep after this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> But guys, we have a, a premiere of our interview with Ross Coulthard coming up this Saturday. So check that out. But for now, guys, thank you once again. And we'll see you soon. Take care. Goodbye.